0: everyone it's gloria and welcome to season three episode eight of miss independent today i'm here with my friend wendy and we will be chatting about mindful spending from the perspective of someone who loves shopping but hates wasting money We chat about ways to save money when retail shopping, how to curb impulse buys, share our thoughts on buy now, pay later plans, and more. Again, this episode, I'm cutting into two parts because there is just so much content and so much to talk about when retail shopping. So be sure to tune in next week for part two. Hope you enjoy. I am here today with my friend Wendy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Why didn't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure.
1: So, uh, Gloria, maybe it's easy to start off with how we met. We met through school at University of Waterloo. Um, graduated in undergrad of twenty in twenty fifteen, and since then I've been working in finance. The the most fun fact about myself is that I adopted two kittens in October.
0: Oh, nice. So, my next question for you is: What is your relationship with money? I think my relationship with
1: money has always been not the most analytical and also I haven't been keeping tabs on it as much as I should have. Starting I guess just from before being more independent when I didn't have a job, when I was living with my parents, they've never actually really taught me the importance of budgeting or how money actually works. It was more of if I needed something, I would ask them and they would provide it for me if it was something really necessary and you know the judgment was on me to, to know what to ask them for and that is this actually worth my parents hard-earned money and then transitioning from that to university and starting to make money I think my relationship with it has been very um turbulent in that it it's been really colored by a more emotional relationship with with it um I think a lot of people I don't know if a lot of people will, but some people might be able to relate with like emotionally spending similar. Like, I think I draw parallels between this and kind of food. Like a lot of people have trouble with like emotional eating, for example. So
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, a lot of these are emotional triggers for me. And budgeting has been something where I would be able to do it, let's say, really well for a month. And it's almost like someone who goes on a crash diet for a month and then they'll like binge, for example, Mm -hmm. And also like late at night, let's say if you're bored, all of a sudden you've either eaten, you know, like a really late night snack when you weren't particularly hungry, or you've like spent a lot of money just browsing the web. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think just reflecting on my relationship with money, what I'm trying to do better now, and I'm nowhere near perfect, is just recognizing one is like, what are my triggers with spending money emotionally? And then two is I think the world in the last couple of years has made it so easy to spend money mm-hmm. that it, the the game is like really against you, I think. Like it's it's not positioned so that millennials and people who haven't really had a good grasp on saving money, it's really hard for us to actually save money. Everywhere you turn, someone want, someone's hand is in your pocket. And I mm-hmm. think being more mindful about that is something that kind of colors my relationship now.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no escaping advertising. I feel like marketing advertising is everywhere. It's all around us. No matter what you do, if you're like on your phone, on social media, there's an ad. If you're like out and about on the streets, there's like billboards, ads, like you get ads in the mail. It's just, yeah, unavoidable. Yeah. Yeah. Today's topic is shopping, but spending mindfully. So let's start off with what your shopping habits are like. You already mentioned a little bit about how you have been an emotional shopper. So do you want to expand a little bit more on that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Maybe before I even expand on that, I think what's really important to understand is back to your point on how marketing is kind of everywhere. And I think understanding that has helped me understand okay this is not like this the product of me shopping emotionally is not a fault of my own but it's also of the current environment and there was a book I actually talked to a friend about this maybe a week ago there was a book I read two years ago and part of the book kind of went through um, the evolution of marketing and how really really early on the forms of marketing were on billboards they were on posters they were on storefronts and then when televisions and radio became more household, it the marketing entered your home. So that was something that never happened before that. So you'd see television ads and hear advertisements on the radio. And kind of exactly what you mentioned about with social media now, these ads are now more targeted towards you where they're moving from outside to inside your home. And now it's kind of a part of your identity. So obviously companies know what you're into. They know what you're interested in. And these advertisements, and the other interesting thing too, is like these advertisements aren't even something of a nuisance, right? Before, if you're watching TV, you're waiting for the commercials to be over. Mm -hmm. So like one thing I do is I look at who I follow on Instagram, for example, and these are opt-in, right? You choose who to follow. And a lot of these are retail companies. So you're subscribing to their advertisements. It's not even a push from Instagram. It's just literally, you follow these verified retailers And you are subscribing to getting ads pushed to you, which is a really, really interesting social behavior that hasn't really happened before. And then on top of that, and and this is where it gets a little bit, I think, controversial, is also people who don't have the verify check. Like even our friends and even um, people who we know in our social circles, a lot of people are trying to sell products too, right? So I think there's two sides to that coin where one is, you know, it's like a side hustle, which helps them with being financially independent. But the other side of the coin is collectively with e-commerce, with just, you know, you can, you don't even have to have a brick and mortar, the barriers to selling things are so low now that everyone can do it. But what does that mean for you as a consumer? And I think knowing that has allowed me to say, okay, everything is coming at me, wanting me to spend money what can I do internally to make sure that my money is going to places where I know I'm gonna be really happy with that purchase? And the number one thing that really works for me is I have something on just my iPhone on my notes, and it's just called wish list. So anytime I want anything, I literally just put it on there and I put down how much it is. So if I really want to buy something spontaneously, I put it on there. And what that even does is sometimes I look at my wish list already and I say, Like, I don't really want this as much as anything else on this list. So it doesn't even make the list. And then once it does make the list, then I can say, okay, I like this, but not as much as that. And I can start actually kind of editing it down, for example, and also just keeps me honest with saying, these are all the things that you want. Like you just need to make sure it's on sale or make sure that you find a good deal for it. Or you're kind of honest with yourself versus like a very targeted ad that you're seeing and you forget everything else.
0: Mm -hmm. So you maintain this list like throughout the year. So when do you actually make these purchases? Is there like a timeline for when it goes on the list versus when you purchase the item?
1: That's a good question. I think for me, I don't have a timeline for when I buy it. I think for me, it's more of when I feel like it transforms from something on a wish list to like almost a necessity. So if there's something that's really missing in my life, and this happens a lot with like electronics, where you know, if you don't have something, for example, one thing on my wish list was like a standing desk. And it was so hard for me to pull the trigger because that was also on a dollar amount, one of the biggest things. But then I just couldn't handle the work from home situation. And I knew for a fact I needed to buy it. But I was happy with it because I know every time I opened up my wish list, that has never been something I crossed off. So I knew like every time I revisit what I want, it was affirming to me that this was not a spontaneous purchase because Wendy, like 20 times in the past, has looked at this and approved it if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like you always look at this list and you're thinking about the things that you actually want or the things that you actually need. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I'd never thought of doing something like that before. So yeah, that kind of leads me to my next question about needs versus wants. Like how do you actually determine what is a need versus what is a want? Because for me, I feel like a lot of things are want. There's not much that I really need in my life besides roof over my head food. In terms of things, like my laptop is so busted. Like I've been using the same laptop since university. It's not great, but it still works. So I'm like, I don't need a new laptop, but I would like one.
1: Yeah. I think to be honest with you, when it comes to, let's say clothes, let's just pick on that for a sec. Specifically, I would argue that maybe one or two years after graduation, you have already everything you need in terms of clothing, unless you you change size, right? Because one or two years after university, there shouldn't be an instance that you don't have something your wardrobe prepared for, unless you're like going to become like a scuba diver and you need like a wetsuit or something, right? Because by then you should have professional clothes, you have casual clothes, you have your workout. You should have your basics. And unless something really just breaks down and like is breaking at the seams, then you can replace it in, right? But my thing is, I don't view shopping for clothes, like how I view, for example, going to Canadian Tire, where it's like not fun. So I actually like the want. I think a lot of things for clothing for me will fall into the want bucket because I I already have everything I need for every experience I will probably have in my life. mm mm-hmm. But I think it's the managing the want, which is so important because when it comes to emotional spending, there are a lot of purchases that make me really happy and is not a need. But because I've thought it through, because I've done my research on it and I've saved up for it and I didn't buy it on sale, which is a little bit controversial. Like if I really want something, I'll buy it in the color that I want. And usually it's not going to be the one that's on sale, which is like a pitfall. And that's actually another marketing tactic that I've tried to be more mindful of. Mm-hmm. Then I think that purchase makes me happy. And I think that defines like a successful retail purchase for myself. And I think it it kind of falls under the larger umbrella philosophy of I don't want to live my life, especially in my twenties, purely on a needs basis. There's a lot of things that bring a lot of people happiness and there's a lot of things that people will pour their extra earnings these buckets whether it's travel Mm -hmm. um, experiences saving up so that they can retire sooner there's a lot of buckets that people choose to pour their extra income into and for me i just want to be mindful of the retail bucket but i think the retail buckets also has holes in it right like you want to make sure you are spending money on something that you do want to do because it's a the marketing is done really well i think i'll just say that
0: Yeah. And it all comes down to like what you value, right? Because for some people, they don't really thrive by retail shopping. And then other people, that actually really does make them happy, like going shopping, the whole experience, being in a retail setting. I think it all comes down to You have your own money. You can do whatever you want with it. It's just making sure that you spend within your means, right? And don't go beyond and don't go crazy and like credit card debt. Exactly. So something that recently popped up for me was buy now, pay later. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. So actually that's, I think the next leg of kind of marketing, like what I was telling you about, I am personally, morally very, very against that. I'm already against kind of having revolving a balance on your credit card. The interest rates are pretty crazy on that. And I assume that most people who do it are aware that it's the worst, like one of the worst options. This is my issue with buy now, pay later. And it comes back to the whole, my emotional thing with shopping. The philosophy behind that is you want immediate satisfaction now for something that you want to pay for it later, which is like the opposite of delayed gratification, which is working really hard now for something that we look forward to later.
0: Yeah,
1: I think there's an argument to be made that someone can say, well, if I pay zero percent interest and I can invest that money now, it makes sense for me to make six installments, which is fine. That's a more analytical approach. But I approach this from like an emotional perspective where I think if you think about installment payments, the average person may have, for example, rent or mortgage. And that's for a house, which is necessary. They may be paying off tuition loans. So that's for education, in my mind is necessary if you want a job in the field that you're studying in. And then they also may have some sort of debt related to um, like a car, which is maybe they need to get to where their place of employment is. So these are already like your fixed costs, which are all necessary items. As soon as you latch on a payment, let's say it's $200 a month or even $100 a month for a pair of designer jeans that you could not afford at that moment in time because of cash flows or a really expensive sofa or or just any sort of purchase like that, in my mind, it's a slippery slope. So I will be honest with you. I did do the installment payment for my um, standing desk, and that is like the only thing I've done it for. But I am very cognizant that it's very easy, especially for smaller purchase items, which I think are like the biggest impulse buys. And I think these are the things where as soon as you have a little thing under it that says, or for easy payments of $21, it just it's such an easy thing psychologically to like click on. And I just think that's when you start to dissociate yourself from the value of the money and your time making that money that's going into this purchase. So I just think psychologically, it's really dangerous. Um, I'm kind of scared about that, but I'm so happy you brought that up.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing it more and more now. And I'm seeing it on things like consumer electronics, like laptop. And it's crazy to me because it's just like buying with a credit card and having a balance on your credit card. And the thing is, you brought up these people might be having a 0% interest like for now and then being able to invest that money. But are people who are taking advantage of this going to be really that smart with their money? I don't know. Yeah. I think it works
1: well for someone who's very unemotional when it comes to money and that savvy to know that they'll invest their money. I'm just not there yet. And actually, there's one really interesting thing where, so buy now, pay later is really big in Australia. A lot of the publicly traded companies who do that are based in Australia. And I think it was a couple of weeks ago when actually there was, there's some regulatory body that does like consumer protection in Australia that basically noted within one year, of payments for buy now, pay later, 50 percent of consumers default, or have like a late payment or miss. What? Yeah. So it just makes me wonder, like that kind of debt load is because things happen, which is why you need to have an emergency fund and why you need to have kind of a buffer. And basically having something now and saying, I'll pay you back later, you, you don't know what's going to happen in your future.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's very true. And that's why I'm a strong believer in sinking funds. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and put some money aside every single month. And then once you have that amount, then you buy it in cash. Yes, You kind of mentioned a little bit about people don't really think about how much time they've spent working to pay something off when they are using Mm -hmm. buy now, pay later. So do you think that it's a good idea or a good tactic to think about how much you make per hour, like after tax?
1: Like measuring things by time, almost. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think so. I think that's a really good idea for purchases under a threshold. And what I mean by that is um, for spontaneous purchases that are like less than $100, kind of doing that math, I think makes sense. The only downfall is you also have to understand for most people, they still have fixed expenses per month. So it's not like every day you don't you spend $0, you know, or you spend zero of the hours you've worked and you only spend however much you decide on discretionary items, it's like, no, let's say the first week that you've worked, those hours go towards your rent or towards your mortgage. The second three or four days go towards this, like groceries, right? So kind of understanding it's on top of that. And that's going into extra savings that you could have, I think is important. Mm -hmm. The other downfall of that, and this is not really retail spending, but I think the thing in my life that I spent money on that has been the most successful and like the happiest purchase I've done is laser eye surgery. And, and that's super expensive. So if I were to convert that to hours worked, I may not have done it. But it's been a really great change in my life, which I think all of my friends who've done laser eye surgery all are like, it's the best thing ever. I've had one friend who actually jokingly said it was like, a bigger thing than his wedding day. Wow. Uh, Yeah, like just how life changing but it is so expensive, right? So I think it's just it works for purchases when you're about to be spontaneous. But I think for well planned things that are really going to change your life, maybe not using that.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. And I think even just thinking about it from your discretionary income bucket, for example, if you do have a budget mm-hmm. that has discretionary income or whatever is left to spend, it's a good way to think about like, oh, it's this many hours of work. Like, is it worth this thing? Yes. Do you have other tips to like save money? Yeah, I think not not so much
1: tips per se, but I think, well actually one I have that's also a little bit, it's a bit like counterintuitive, is I think that you shouldn't try to meet minimum spending to save on shipping. Because I fall into the trap when I was younger and did not know that this was like, I didn't think through that this is a marketing tactic is you try so hard to meet the free shipping limit, which now I think I feel like has crept up for a lot of companies in order to get hit that. And then I think, okay, you buy things that you actually don't really want or don't really need in order to meet that. And it just dilutes the purchase itself, right? Where you bought one thing you really wanted. And then you have a couple things like meh. So unless you're really judicious about returning that stuff to get your money back, and you're okay with spending that time too, like let's say it's 30 minutes to an hour to return that stuff, you know, it kind of, it's like what you're saying, would I rather be working and getting that money than returning this? And on the flip side, I also think that when you buy one thing and you know you have to pay shipping for it, it also makes you question if you really want it, right? So that's like another kind of psychological thing where I'm like, okay, do I like this enough to pay? 8 or $12 extra on it. And that gives you pause rather than trying to fill up your cart to um, make the purchase. On the flip side, I also think just because a place is now saying, oh, free shipping from now until the end of this week, that is not an excuse to also go shop as well. Free shipping is such a psychological thing as like, we're all living at home right now. And like, we're all kind of prone to being a little bit more bored. That's one thing. The second thing too, and I've learned this from actually one of our mutual friends who is really, really, really great at taking care of her stuff. So investing in like a good steamer, for example, buying brushes for your clothes and then having, there's like these little devices they can get that remove pill from like sweaters. Aww. Yeah, which which is like really interesting. And I think doing that so that they, they last longer, but then you're also valuing the money you've put into it right? Like, mm-hmm. if you get something dirty that you spent $80 on, just saying, uh, like, whatever, I'll just not wear it. Or you say to yourself, I'll wear that around home, which you're just tricking yourself to saying this is now out of my closet, it's out of my rotation, which is like really unfair to yourself and how hard you've worked for that money to buy that in the first place. So I think taking really good care of your clothes that are in your closet, will make you love them more. I think that's really helpful. And then the, the last thing that I would also say is For people who are really into fashion, appreciating that just because there's a style that you like doesn't mean you actually have to buy that style or wear it for yourself has been really important for me. And also I've met friends now who all have a love of style or fashion or handbags, but the bags I love on them, I would never buy for myself, for example. And then my friends, when I want to buy something, because these people are also so into it, I can actually shoot them a picture and they'll tell me really honestly, like critique, like, okay, is this bag going to be too heavy even without things in it? And I'm like, oh, that's true. It does look like it's pretty heavy. Like, yeah, you're not going to carry that, right? Or something like, is that size practical for you, for example? And it's just, it's good to have people who understand your style, but then know what life you live because we don't live the lives of kind of the people who are sent these things for free, who are paid to model it. The majority of my waking time is in front of a computer, right? Whether it's at home or whether it's once we do, you know, eventually go back to work. And I don't need a really tiny little bag that can only fit like a mint, Mm -hmm. even if it's really cute. I will (laughs) never use that. And it's just, yeah, it's really good to appreciate that style to say, oh, I love that bag on that person who's wearing it. It's so cute with her like above the knee boots and skirt, which I couldn't wear because it's freezing in Canada. (laughs) I'm going to like this photo because it's like a work of art that I appreciate, but I'm not ever going to try to get these things right. I'm not about to live that life. Right. So I think having that differentiation is so, so, so important.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And that is all the time we have for today. Make sure you tune in again next week for part two where we will be continuing the conversation on mindful shopping and we'll dive into capsule wardrobes, defining your personal style, and so much more. As the aspiring Miss Independent, this is Gloria signing out thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you're using Apple pods, please toss me five stars. It would help me so, so much. So see you next time. Until then, stay healthy and grow wealthy.